Before my son was born, my wife signed us up for all kinds of parenting classes over at Conway Regional Hospital. We took classes on what to expect during the delivery. We took classes on infant CPR, how to properly swaddle a newborn, and even classes about how to change diapers. But I never complained about going to any of these classes because, as a first-time parent, I had no clue what I was getting myself into. And I'm still learning how to be a parent, and always will be, but I wanted to get as much information as I possibly could before Oliver arrived. But after attending a few of these classes, there was something that I began to find terribly annoying. Julie and I had not yet named our child, and we were attending classes with about ten other couples who had not named their child either. And our instructor was aware of this, and as a result, all references to the children soon to be born were simply referred to as baby. And what annoyed me was that our instructor never said your baby or the baby, it was just baby. And the instructor kept using the word baby multiple times in every sentence, and it just didn't seem right. And in our class on how to properly change a diaper, the instructor would say things like, lay baby down on their back and make sure baby is properly secure on the changing table. Baby will need to be kept warm and you need to ensure baby has the correct size of diaper. And this whole time, Julie and I were thinking, we have got to name our child. <laughs> and it was this experience that opened my eyes to see that a name is much more than just words. And I believe that whenever you give something a name, whether it's a new pet or a new child or a new church, it takes on a whole new identity. You give it substance, but in many ways you're also giving it new life. And so when our child-to-be was simply referred to as baby, it felt cold and impersonal. But when we gave our child the name Oliver, it was then when we felt as though he had truly become our son. And it was also then, when we gave him his name, where we began to truly feel like a family. And so, in a way, Oliver was given an identity with his name, but it also changed the identity of Julie and myself. And when thinking about names, I have to admit that sometimes I feel bad for those of you who serve as lectors here at St. Peter's. That's because the Bible is full of characters with some very odd and incredibly difficult names to pronounce. Every now and then, lectors will approach me or Terry or Mary Helen and ask if they are pronouncing the names correctly, to which we honestly reply, your guess is as good as ours. <laughs> and I know what it's like because I used to serve as a lector, and I can remember being asked at the last minute to fill in for someone and I didn't have a chance to even glance at the readings before heading up to the pulpit. And as luck would have it, it was one of those genealogy passages from the Bible where I proceeded to butcher every name. Now I know that we have all either seen or we have heard some of those strange names found in the Bible. But the name that was given to someone in the ancient Near East was much more than just words. In the ancient Near East, your name given to you, your name gave you your identity. Your name was reflective of your character and your substance, and it was the very fiber that made you, you. 
And one thing I think that we can discover while looking at the characters within our reading for today is that their names and their identity are closely related. Some of these characters remain nameless, some end up being given a new name, and with that new name comes a new identity. Our first reading from the 49th chapter of Isaiah is what biblical scholars refer to as the second of the so-called servant songs. And from a prophetic tone, we find an unnamed servant in Isaiah speaking directly and addressing the nations. While addressing the nations, this unnamed servant expresses how their call to God's service began while still in the womb. And in the first verse, this unnamed servant proclaims, The Lord called me before I was born. And while I was in my mother's womb, God named me. Now, while prophetically addressing the nations, this servant is not trying to shine a spotlight on themselves. It's not about the servant or some special relationship that they have with God. When digging a little deeper, you discover this servant's message is not that God actually assigns us a name while in our mother's womb, but the heart of this message is that our true identity, our genesis of all that we are and all that we can become, begins in God. And so I believe that on a certain level, all of humankind struggles with an identity crisis. We are all given a name at birth, yet for many people, the name that we are assigned at birth offers little in answering the much larger question of who are you? And it's no secret that countless individuals have suffered a great deal of pain from not knowing how to answer that question. And in this global struggle for identity, one has to wonder, how much life do we lose by endlessly comparing and measuring and gauging ourselves against others? Yet on some deep, deep level, we are all trying to answer the question of who are you? I do believe that the unnamed servant in Isaiah at least helps to steer us back in the right direction by reminding us that our true identity Our genesis of all that we are and all that we can become begins in God. And our identity, which begins in God, is at the same time universal as well as highly individual and unique. And it is from our true identity in which we are all called to God's service in the world. The manner in which we contribute to God's service will vary greatly from person to person. Yet I think when we begin to operate out of our true identity, we are then fulfilling God's highest desires. Now us as Christians, I think we're all aware that Jesus of Nazareth's entrance into our sacred story sparked a global movement. His message and his ministry were wildly attractive. I think what people found and still find so captivating and so transformative about Jesus' message is the way in which he challenges us to live into our true identity. Jesus' message reinforced that humankind is so cherished and so loved by God that we can barely comprehend it. And his challenge for us is simply to acknowledge it, to accept it, and then to share it with others. And this pattern, we can find, is observed in our reading today in 1 Corinthians, which was written by a man formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, a man who contributed a great deal of his life to persecution and to violence. 
a man who struggled deeply with his own identity and what his purpose in life was. Yet it was his encounter with the risen Christ, we know that he experienced a radical transformation. And from this encounter, Saul of Tarsus eventually becomes the Apostle Paul. We know that he devoted his life to God's service as a missionary, and almost half of our New Testament was either written or attributed to him. And so Paul's encounter with the living Christ was powerful. And I'm not sure that if we'll ever truly know what happened in that moment, but it is clear that Paul's true identity was found in Christ. But Paul's encounter is not an isolated incident. This same pattern is also found in our gospel reading for today. The day after Jesus' baptism, there was a strange level of curiosity in the air about this man who John kept referring to as the Lamb of God. An apostle named Andrew felt that he had found the Messiah, and he was compelled to bring his brother Simon to meet this Jesus. Our gospel reading says that Jesus took one look at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, but you are to be called Peter. And in this encounter with the living Christ, Simon was given a new name of Peter, but he was also given a complete new identity. And we also know that Peter's life remains one of the greatest examples of service and leadership in all of Christianity. But you know, our sacred text is full of stories like this. It's full of people who have encountered the love of God, and they've experienced it on a very deep level. They simply accepted it, and they lived their lives trying to share it with others. You know, there's something else about these people, and that is that none of them were perfect. Far from it. Paul was a man of severe persecution and one of violence. We have the accounts of Peter denying Jesus three times. One minute, we find Peter cutting a guy's ear off trying to defend Jesus from being arrested. And then, as Jesus is about to be executed, we find Peter denying that he ever knew him. So none of these people were perfect. Actually, there really wasn't anything special about them. They were just regular people who made some mistakes along the way. People just like you and people just like me. But I think that we are fortunate to look to their lives as examples. And I think that we should. Because in many ways, their story is our story. They give us courage, and they give us strength to live out our own faith. And they reveal the depth in which Jesus' message is able to transform lives. And it was their service, and their sacrifice, and their dedication to serving others. It always points back to God, in which our true identity is found. Amen.